Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The St. Louis Blues staying alive in that playoff race in the Western Conference in a scoreless tie with Boston early in the second period. Also early in period two, the Islanders leading the Devils 3-0, even though the Islanders only have five shots on goal. Jordan, Ele- Jordan Eberle with his 11th of the season. After the first, the Rangers up 2-1 on Chicago. Leafs and Lightning in a 1-1 tie late in the first period. Kadri, his 10th point, his 30th, and just getting underway, two of the league's elite Jets and Predators. Ducks and Wild also about to get underway, and the Kings and the Stars a little bit later on. The Toronto Raptors lead Phoenix 32-20 after the first quarter. The Edmonton Oilers off today. They will practice tomorrow. They will play Calgary on Saturday. They will play Carolina on Sunday. They will play Detroit on Tuesday, all at Rogers Place. Then no Oilers games for a week and a half as they go into the bye week and the All-Star break. Edmonton 5-3 and three in the month of January, finally winning back-to-back games thanks to that win over Vancouver last night. First back-to-back wins since December 11th. They're right there in a very crowded playoff race in the West. They're tied in terms of points for the final playoff spot, but Minnesota has the tiebreaker because they've played one less game than Edmonton and, of course, the Wild playing Anaheim tonight. Uh, either way there, the the, uh, the result will kind of hurt the Oilers uh, because Minnesota could jump two ahead of Edmonton and uh, Anaheim could tie Edmonton and Minnesota. Basically, you don't that, you don't want that one to go to overtime. No three-point games. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio. My name is Reed Wilkins. We will have the Oilers and Flames Saturday night, 6.30 face-off show game at 8 here on 6.30. Chad, Eskimos head coach Jason Moss is going to join us between 6.30 and 7. A lot going on with the Eskimos over the last two or three weeks. J.C. Sherritt retiring yesterday. Several players going... Uh, on NFL deals and uh, a new coaching staff because of the new coaches cap in the Canadian Football League. But first, little uh, NHL chat. 
with a guy who was a pretty good offensive player through the course of his career. Now with the NHL Network, it is Alex Tangay. Alex, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yourself? Doing very well. It's awesome to have you on the show, and thanks for joining us. Of course, uh, you're an analyst now with the NHL Network, and uh, hey, it was only a couple of years ago you were uh, you were playing games in the NHL. How, how have you enjoyed the, tra- the transition to being a, a broadcaster? Was that something that you were thinking about while you were still playing? How did that come to be for you? Actually, not really. You know, I did not make a plan. You know, I was not looking really to um, to become an analyst. But after I retired, I realized that, you know, the love and passion that I had for this game was not going away. So either you get involved, you know, in a team or involved in coaching and, or involved in the media. And I felt that, you know, for me, with the, the way that my life was set up with my family, young children, that it was good for me to stay connected with the game and the fact that I was a French Canadian learning how to speak, learning how to communicate, which has got a lot of appeal, you know, to the young, younger generation now, our days in the game. I mean, the long-term plan, uh, Reed, I'm not going to lie, is probably going to get back involved in coaching or, or, or management at some point, but I'm, I'm enjoying the transition and learning to communicate and, and, and staying on top of the activity of the league, getting in contact with people and getting to work my way really around the league because you're such in a, you're in such a bubble when you play that sometimes some of the stuff that you see or some of the stuff that you think well it's good to see it from an NRI and and I've really enjoyed the time now working at the NHL Network and and getting to learn about teams getting to learn about situation getting to dissect the game and talk about players I mean the passion has not gone away as you can tell yeah well that's that's great to hear and obviously this is a cool day to have you on because the Calgary Flames announced that they're going to retire Jerome McGinley's number 12 prior to a game against the Minnesota Wild on March 2nd. You had a couple of stints with the Calgary Flames, and uh, obviously the, the years you were there, uh, Aginla would have been at the top of the scoring table for the Flames. Obviously an incredibly uh, popular player while he was with Calgary. It, give us a little bit of what it was like to have him, uh, what it was like to have him as a teammate, Alex. Well, you know, when I got there, Jerome was really at the top of his craft. And, and you know, I was kind of brought there to play alongside of him and, and be more that puck distributor to his, you know, physical ability. When you look at the body of work and what he's done on the ice, what he's met for this organization, you look at the scoring, you look at the will, you look at the competitiveness, you look at the, the fact that he was the captain long-standing captain for this team. You look at the international play that he's had while he was with the Calgary Flames. I mean, the guy was uh, simply a legend in the city, and, and the way that he conducted himself off the ice was probably of a higher standard than what he did on the ice. I mean, I never saw Jerome McGinley turning down an autograph, turning down a photo, not having a smile on you know, on one of the conversations that he had with one of the Flames fans, or the Flans, really, of hockey, anywhere we went. So, He's met a lot for this city. The number 12, you know, will be hanging at the rafters. We all know that he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a tremendous person, tremendous player, and uh, certainly an honor that, that that's well-deserved for him. You know, Alex, we got the Oilers and Flames coming up here on 630 Chet on Saturday night. Calgary's doing great. Edmonton's fighting for that last playoff spot in the West or maybe the last couple of wildcard spots. You, as, as a Flame, didn't play in years that were great for for both teams. Uh, I know you made the playoffs as uh, as the Flames. Obviously, the Oilers were going through their struggles, but we call the the decade of darkness. Uh, 11, 12, 13, you were on Calgary. Neither team was able to make the playoffs. There, there's always hype surrounding these games. 
you know, as a player, did did you feel it? Did you feel there was a battle of Alberta, or or because the teams were struggling, was maybe it, it, it not the intensity that maybe fans would like? What are your recollections of being a Flame and going up against the Oilers? Well, it's funny you ask because I always felt that there was a little bit more energy from the crowd from those games. You know, you could see the Oilers jerseys in Calgary. You could see the Flames jerseys in Edmonton. But, you know, I I like the fact that animosity and and tension and rivalry really comes from teams that are in the playoff position. And we see the position that the Flames are in now. We feel the buzz, you know, about Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and that younger generation of Oilers that are hopefully will be able to you know turn this franchise and move this franchise forward like they did a couple years ago by getting that team to the playoff. We all saw the excitement that was in the city of Edmonton when that happened. But you know it's it's ironic enough and it's funny enough that you look at the standings today and you look at what the Western Conference is doing. You look at Colorado at 50 points, Dallas at 50 points, Minnesota at 49, Edmonton at 49, Vancouver 48, then you've got 47, 45, 45 with St. Louis, Anaheim, and Arizona. I mean, it's going to be very interesting because for the struggles that some of those teams have had, and, and some of them were well-published since the start of the year, when you think about Edmonton, when you think about Vancouver, certainly the recent skid that Anaheim has had in St. Louis and, and Arizona in that same mix, well, all of those teams are in the playoff position. And when you're in a playoff position, which the Oilers are, and you play one of your rival, I think it, it enhance the level of competitiveness. So I'm, I'm curious to see those two teams, you know, seeing the way that that Goudreau is playing in his line and, and knowing that Connor has been that, that league leader in point-wise the last few years, I think that it's going to make for spectacular hockey. And hopefully there's more of those games down the stretch because for hockey fans in Alberta, which are very passionate to see those two teams, it'd be great to have a meaningful game. And how meaningful would it be to have Edmonton sneak into the playoffs finish number eight and the Calgary Flames to be number one and have those two go at it in the first round of the playoff, that would be awesome. Yeah, I think I think that's the dream for a lot of people because it's been far too long since they played a playoff series. And back in 91, that, that's one of the great playoff series of all time in my mind anyway. NHL Network analyst Alex Tangay joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, well, uh, close to 1,200 games in the NHL when you factor in the postseason. I want to ask you a little bit about rivalries. You, you played for Colorado when Colorado was was good so a lot of teams were out to get you you were a canadian for one year we all know about you know leafs bruins ottawa teams they go head to head with from your playing days in the nhl what do you think was the most intense rivalry you were part of alex well, the most intense rivalry and animosity is often created by the playoffs. And and for me, you know, I, I kind of grew up in that generation, got to Colorado in 99, so I missed some of the battles with the Detroit Red Wings, but the animosity that we had with this team based on the fact that we were two of the better teams and we were two teams that felt year after year that we had a chance to be a Stanley Cup contender. Well, when we played each other, we did not like them. You know, I saw the Detroit Red Wings winning the Stanley Cups after beating us in two 2002 that we had just won the cup in 2001 and they beat us game seven at the conference finals after beating us game six and game seven and i remember the pain and how frustrated i was watching the stanley cup being raised by the red wings just a couple weeks later after beating carolina in the finals so those are memories and and those are an emotion and intensity that you can't duplicate you know playoff hockey you can't duplicate meaningful games you know games that that people will remember and talk about and that's what's so great about the game you know as a kid you always dream about 
about being in a Stanley Cup playoff game seven and having the opportunity to play and beat a guy that's going to score the crucial goal. And, and sometimes when you play good teams, regardless of how well you play, you might not come out on top. So the rivalries are made by, by good teams going at it in the playoffs. We saw last year Winnipeg and Nashville in the playoffs. How much fun was it to watch those two battle it out in the second round of the playoffs? I think there's always a little something special about rivalries in playoff hockey. All right. Well, you know, in terms of the Oilers, uh, the month of January has gone okay. Five and three so far. They've pulled out a couple wins in a shootout. This was on the heels of a six-game losing streak. They've had an incredibly up-and-down season. Hey, you know, Alex, here in Edmonton, a lot of the discussion has been uh, the depth up front. You got the big three, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins. Chason's having a great year. Uh, they're searching for, you know, another guy or two to, to hit the score sheet. Maybe Lucic is going to pick it up again. But I'm curious in terms of your observations, and obviously as, as an ex-player, and you would have played against a lot of guys who are, are currently Oilers. Yep. You know, where do you think they're at? I mean, do you, do you think there's optimism that someone else is going to step up, or, or, or is there maybe a big concern for you? Well, I, I think there is optimism, and the reason why, you know, for me, is when you look at this Oilers teams, and, you know, yesterday we started breaking it down on TV, the impact that not only you know, like offensive players have on this team and, and the, you know, the lack and the discrepancy between the first three goal scorers on the team and then the rest of the group, even though Shia Snow is doing great, but I'm talking McDavid, Dreisaitl, and, and Nugent Hopkins. And then, you know, you've got Shia Snow who's coattailing off Dreisaitl and, and McDavid, but having a tremendous season. But there's a big gap or a big difference. Can Peter Shirelli and his group and his staff find somebody to fill that void a little bit and bring somebody that's going to be able to take the next step Polio Yarvi has not done it. Yamamoto has not done it. Maybe they will do it in time, you know, if we give it a little bit more time to develop. But what I like with what the Oilers did this year is they brought somebody to implement a defensive system. And we look what's happening with the New York Islanders, the difference between them being last in goals against last year and now being one of the better teams in goals against. And even with losing Tavares, now they find themselves in a the playoff position. I find that the addition of Clefbaum, you know, which when you look at the record with without Clefbaum has been a huge loss for the Oilers. If Sakara can get back and give you healthy minutes and, and minutes, it's going to help solidify that defense. Nurse, you know, you can lower his minute a little bit, you know, from that and, you know, have guys play in maybe this slotted role that we're supposed to at the start of the year. So I'm... I'm you know, I got criticized a couple of days ago here in the U.S. because I thought that for me, the best players, you know, always find a way to do something special to have a Superman cape that they can put on later in the season and the longer that the Edmonton Oilers you know can keep the goals against average like uh, down like they did yesterday in, in uh, Vancouver but the longer that they're going to be in this race the more that Connor is going to get excited and the more that I think he will have the ability with that Superman cape that he possesses to be a special and do something special and get that team to the playoff and see what he showed us a couple years ago. The, the goals that he scored against Anaheim are still fresh in the hockey minds of a lot. And to have one of the best players in the game have a chance to be in the playoff, I would not bet against the Edmonton Oilers. Well, uh, that's a, that's encouraging to hear. And Robert, I think it's definitely going to be a, a fun, probably a tense uh, last three months to the season, but I think fun too. Hey, Alex, glad you're having fun with the NHL Network. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing some memories as well. I hope we can do this again. Thank you very much. Great stuff there from Alex Tangay, most of his career with Colorado and Calgary, some few other stops along the way. So 
he is optimistic about the Oilers because of Clefbaum's return, and he thinks that McDavid is going to put on his Superman cape and keep racking up the points as the season continues. So there's a, a view from outside of Edmonton. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. We have Eskimos head coach Jason Moss coming up before 7 o'clock. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. In over the blue line, Richard scores! Alex Chase on top right corner! And Edmonton claims victory. Three, two, in a shootout. Text to 630-630 from the Big L. He says, Chason is increasingly impressive. It's not just the shootout goal last night. Loved his reaction. He's brought goals, a consistent effort, and most importantly, calm veteran experience to the team. The Oilers have enough dynamic youth, and I believe what they are getting with Chason is what they originally believed Lucic would deliver of course, there is that five-plus million dollar difference in salary. That is from the Big L. James texting in. He says, Reed, if you go back and uh, listen to the recap that Brendan Escott put together of last night's game on Stoffer's show, Jack Michaels had the same line on all three goals. Top right corner. Gee, I wonder where Markstrom's weakness is. That is from James. And Bermuda Boy texting in, who joined us as a guest on Inside Sports a few weeks ago, he says, as a huge Oiler fan, we are on life support and the prognosis is not looking good. You cannot win in this league without goaltending and defense. That is from Bermuda Boy. Well, I personally, I wouldn't uh, classify the Oilers on life support. They, they are right there in a very tight race. Uh, I certainly can understand why people would think that they're not going to get into the playoffs. And uh, as Alex Tangay put out there, there are some reasons to believe that maybe they can. I do think this is going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, and probably incredibly exciting and incredibly tense and incredibly frustrating at times. I do think that's what you're in for. And Oilers fans have not had a season like this in a long time. I mean, what, early in the decade of darkness, they had a couple of seasons where they missed the playoffs, I think once by three, once by six. Most years they were way out of it. And two years ago when they got in, it wasn't a, a lock, obviously, in the middle of January, but they were looking very good to get in. This is going to be a season that they should have had probably when Taylor Hall was in his third year, you know, where you're, you're kind of a middle-of-the-pack team trying to get in. Uh, the goaltending, they're going to need it. Koskinen has outplayed Talbot. He's house, but he's has his, his ups and downs as well. He was excellent yesterday in the third period overtime and in the shootout. The defense is not great. It will get a boost from Clefbon. I, I wish they were deeper and, and, and had a couple of guys who could more effectively step up with him out of the lineup. But I do think Clefbon will be a boost. And then as Tangay said up front, maybe McDavid continues to go on a tear. That, that's the optimistic side of it. Um, but I, I don't look at the Oilers on life support. If they were six out of the playoffs right now, I'd say, yeah, they're on life support, and it's not looking good. You can keep texting 630-630. Jason Moss coming up in the next half hour. Inside Sports on 630 Chet.
this is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. For tuning in tonight, it is 6.33. Here's what's going on in the NHL. The Blues up 2-1 in Boston late in the second period. Also in the second frame, Islanders leading the Devils 3-0. Rangers up 3-1 on Chicago. Start of the second period in Tampa, Lightning and Toronto in a 1-1 tie. Late first period in Nashville, the Jets are up 1-0 on the Predators. And uh, Anaheim, are they finally going to break this big slump tonight? Well, heck of a start. 3-0 Anaheim leading Minnesota. The game is only 13 minutes old. We'll keep you updated on that one. Anaheim two points behind Minnesota and Edmonton in the standings right now. And the Kings and the Stars coming up later tonight. NBA action. Toronto leading Phoenix 57-47. Final minute of the first half. Uh, the Raptors heavily favored to win this one. They are 33-13. Phoenix a lowly 11 and 34. You, you may have been reading about this new real-time tracking they're working on the, in the National Hockey League. Coaches have and, and players have access to these iPads on the bench during games, and they're going to increase the amount of data that coaches are going to have. And I wonder, too, when fans are going to have access to that data. Between 7 and 7.30, we'll have Dave Lahansky on the show to expand on this. He's the Senior VP of Development and Innovation for the National Hockey League. So he's going to check in a little bit later on. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 6.30, Chad, the play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Oilers and your Edmonton Eskimos. And the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos is, of course, Jason Moss. Jason, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you on the show. And, uh, man, I got to interview J.C. Sherritt yesterday. Some pretty big news, obviously, that he's decided to retire after eight seasons in green and gold. Uh, I know he, he mentioned that he was pretty open with you and Brock after the season, that this is probably where he was headed. But, uh, uh, I, I mean, maybe uh, your thoughts on, on J.C., his career, what he meant what he meant to the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were kind of understanding that at the end of the year he was going to take some time to make a decision and uh, whether he was leaning towards retirement or not, we knew there was a decision that was going to get made and uh, not something you look forward to when one of your captains, you know, legends on your team and uh, heartbeats of your defense and leader and all that stuff kind of the Eskimo way type guy wants to know he's getting towards the end, never a good call you're going to receive Um, but you know, JC's meant I think everything to our franchise on the defensive side, he's been a consummate pro. Um, you know, he's done so much. I mean, when I started my career coaching in 2012 in Toronto, I remember watching Edmonton film and being mesmerized by the type of player he was and uh, what he could do on the field. And, you know, obviously from afar, respecting him so much. And obviously as an ex-Eskimo, knowing, you know, the way that uh, the organization wants things done, you know, and hearing the stories about him, um, he was always that, that guy. And, um, you know, when I got the chance to coach him the last three years, he embodies what it means to be a pro. He's always available. Uh, he's great in the room, um, great for the young guys. He gives everything he's got. Um, that was obvious, very obvious when he went down with injury and rehabbed himself back from an Achilles injury during the season, was going to be available to us if we made it to the Grey Cup. 
Um, you know, I can't say enough about him. I think he's whatever he decides to do going forward. Um, if he takes the passion um, that he played with and the smarts and everything he's learned, he's going to be a heck of a whatever he decides to do. Yeah, well said. Well, I know he said he's interested in coaching, so he's going to be a heck of a mentor for some young players to have, absolutely. Hey, some other news today. Uh, Hugh O'Neill has re-signed punter for the Edmonton Eskimos. And, you know, it's it's funny, Jason. I, I filled in a couple times during the season for Morley on the Coaches Show, your, your weekly show here on 630 Chad during the season. And we did one interview where Hugh was a, a big focus because I think he had a game where he put four punts inside the 20. He had one go out at the one. You know, I, I thought uh, I thought Hugh had a, had a pretty good season. What's, uh, what's the impact of bringing him back? Yeah, I would say better than pretty good. I think he was right up there with everybody, I think, punting-wise. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's settled in. He's settled into being a pro and being a part of what we do here. And, um, it's comforting to have him back. I mean, uh, you know, he's a great guy. He works hard at his craft. I mean, there's been a lot of times over the last three years when he wasn't in football, and I'd see him up there kicking in the in the dome and uh, still working on his craft and doing all his things. And when we signed him and the things he, he did for us, you know, didn't go unnoticed. And then to, to come in this year and be prepared and be ready to go with whatever we were going to have him do and, you know, go out and punt the way he did, there are plenty of games where I thought he was the bright star of, of our team uh, this year. And anytime you can say that about your punter, that's saying something. So, um, you know, I'm thankful we got the chance to sign him back. You know, he's an Edmonton guy, and I think he's he's got a long career ahead of him. Um, you know, and he's one of those guys that continues to work at it. So uh, very excited to have him back. Jason, obviously one of the big off-season stories in the CFL was the new cap for coaches, both the number of coaches – that a team can have and obviously what can be uh, be spent on them. So that meant for uh, you guys, uh, you know, saying goodbye to Benavidi, saying goodbye to Ralph, who uh, worked very hard for the team when they were here. And uh, you, you you move some guys around and bring in some some new coaches. I, I don't want to go through the whole staff. We don't have time for that today. But a couple of names I want to focus on. Uh, a guy, obviously, you, knew, you know very well from your history with the team. A.J. Gass is, is coming up to coach special teams. Yeah, I'm excited about AJ coming up. You know, I've talked, I've stayed in contact with AJ every year that I've been coaching to see what his, what it, what he's, what he's doing and how he's doing and all those things. You know, I've always respected AJ, um, the man he was, the player he was, his family, all that stuff. So um, this year when we had an opening, he was my first call, and uh, when he said yes, I was extremely excited because I know what we're getting uh, as far as a person. Um, consummate pro, uh, great teacher. Uh, you know, he's just, he, he's it. And uh, he embodies what we are here in Edmonton, hardworking, you know, people, you know, people person. He's going to get the most out of his players. Uh, he's going to, you know, do whatever it takes. And uh, he's going to treat people well and with respect. And um, he's going to fit in right away and with our staff. And he's going to get the most out of our guys. So, um, you know, having done it, as a special teams guy and been a, a captain of the locker room and things like that, he gets it. He gets what it takes. And, um, you know, I, I'm very, very grateful that he, he decided to come aboard and uh, looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table. Philip Lawley is going to be the defensive coordinator. He has history here in Edmonton. He uh, was on the staff with Chris Jones in 2015 when the team won the Grey Cup. I had a great chat with him last week, Jason, and just struck me as one of those guys that if, if you wanted to sit and talk football with him for 
12, 14 hours. He'd probably love to do it, but he, he said his his default position is to be aggressive. Now he said, you know, I got to see who I have on the team, but it, it seems like uh, he's he's prefers to dial up the pressure defensively if he's comfortable with the the personnel to do that this year. Yeah, I think what's good about Philip is he's seen he's seen it. He's been there, done that in a lot of programs, and he understands that the first thing you got to do is get on the same page as a staff and see what you got for the players, and and then make your difference from there. And he's he's capable of doing a lot of different things. So um, <clears throat> more than anything, he's a communicator, teacher, all that stuff. He's done it for a long time. He's right. I mean, my my talks with him this year and even last year. Um, just to see where he was at last year, you know, are great conversations. You can tell he's been around football his whole entire life. Uh, he's exciting to talk to, a wealth of knowledge and all those things. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, getting to know the staff's going to be first and foremost, and then getting to see our players and what they can do and what type of players we need on defense for him to play what, what he's comfortable doing. So, um, lucky for him, he, you know, he signed him early enough with free agency and with the guys we have. We can kind of mold the team the way we need it to be uh, to play defense that way. But I know, I know talking to Lolly, he's going to see what he has and, and we'll develop it from there. And uh, I'm excited about that. <clears throat> you know, he's, he's been successful in the places he's been. And uh, like I said, he's, he's done it. And uh, that, that's comforting. Eskimos head coach Jason Moss joining us on Inside Sports tonight. You had some guys go to the National Football League, Serenza, uh, Serezna, Mitchell, Williams uh, getting opportunities. And, hey, you know, that, that happens. I, I know as a coach you'd, you'd probably love to know your roster on January 17th. That, that, <laughs> that's never the case. Does, does this offseason feel like any there, there's more uncertainty than usual because of the guys leaving and because of Sherritt retiring and, and, and Riley's situation? Does it is it different than other off-seasons? How would you characterize it? Yeah, I mean, just we knew going into this off season because of the way the CBA was going to work and not handing out bonuses to anybody. You know, you knew it was going to be hard to sign players. There's not a lot of incentive at that point to sign them uh, for them to sign. So you knew there was rumblings of that was going to be difficult. And then when you lose players, I mean, you didn't mention Mercy there, but Mercy Masson as well left. And, you know, you got four really good football players that moved on. And uh, those are always going to be hard to replace. But I think our club's done a good job in the last number of years of replacing people. And, you know, that's what you got to do in pro sports. You know, they're pros for a reason. Um, you know, they're all capable. It's just a matter of making them fit into what you would like to do. And, again, a lot like Lolly. I mean, if we get four new receivers in or five new receivers, we've got to mold the offense a little bit to what they do best as well. So, and that's what we'll do. But um, I don't know that it feels any different than any other January. I just think when the names are J.C. Sherrod and Mike Riley at the lit, you know, the, are, are part of this, that makes it uh, a little less uh, comforting for a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, one more for you. Uh, you. You were quoted last week a little bit on the playoff format, and I bring this up uh, because this is a drum I've been beating on this show for, for two or three years. I, you know, I've had Randy Ambrosi in studio and asked him about it. He doesn't seem that willing to change it, and he might be waiting to see uh, what happens uh, if and when Halifax joins the CFL. And I've always said, Jason, it, it is not for me sour grapes this year because of the Eskimos, because it's affected other teams other years and and you guys knew what you had to the win total you had to get to and you know you didn't quite reach it so that's what happened this year but are you uh 
Uh, are you a one division guy? Or are you an extra wild card? Because I'm a I'm a one division guy. Just have a nine or ten team league and let the top six in. Where, where do you lean in this discussion? Yeah, I mean, first, I mean, I, it, I was asked the question, so I, you know, I obviously we're in a in Montreal Blanc when I'm being asked this, and it's a media week, so I want you know, if someone's going to ask me a question. You may as well. It's in the off season when you're looking at looking at everything. That's first and foremost why I would ever answer this question. Uh, it's not sour grapes at all. Just kind of like what you just said. Um, you know, it's been noticeable the last few years. You know, with uh, West teams traveling out east. Uh, to play in the playoffs against teams that don't have the same record, a lesser record in a lot of cases. And, you know, I, I just, when I say it doesn't look fair, it just, the optics of it don't look right. And I think the off season's the time to, to talk about it and to get everybody to the table and see what everyone thinks. I don't know where I stand as far as, a, you know, obviously I think that's easy. Nine teams, the six best teams play or are in the playoffs, but I know that can affect how the East gets into the playoffs. And I don't know that that's healthy either, not having East or West represented. You know, so I think you have to be careful on those those things. But act, adding an extra wild card and having, you know, eight teams in, you know, and the ninth team is just not good enough, and then you just play from there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that would work either. It's kind of like, well, everyone plays the whole year, and then you, you find out the wild card or the playoffs who's the best. But that's kind of like the NCAA, you know, the top 64 teams in basketball make it, you know. And, you know, I, I think it, it, one way or the other, I just think something has to look, be looked at. You know, I think their conversation has to be had. I think this is the time to do it with the CBA coming in and, um, the excitement of our, our league and all that, uh, and with a 10th team coming in. So, you know, I, I, would, I would hope that other people, you know, would like to talk about it. But if not, we, like you said, we all know going into every season that you have to, you know, you know what you have to do to make the playoffs. And that's, that's always going to be the case, uh, no matter where we change it or what we change it to. But uh, certainly this time of year is when you look at everything, and I don't think anybody would be uh, remiss to, to, to look at that situation. Yeah, I agree. Hopefully they keep talking about it. Jason, really appreciate the update here. Uh, I know we'll be doing this a few times throughout the uh, upcoming season. Always appreciate your time. All the best. No problem, Reed. Thank you. All right, good chat with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. A lot going on with that team in the offseason. Free agency quickly approaching here, second week of February. Will something happen with Mike Riley? Actually, GM Brock Sunderland will have a bit of an update. He spoke to Morley Scott about that. And we'll have the latest classic clip from Patriots coach Bill Belichick coming up on Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Mike texting in. He says the Eskimos need to fire Jason Moss already. It should have been done at the beginning of last season. I really cannot believe that he is the guy going for next season. That is Mike, who uh, doesn't like Jason Moss, which is okay. But he will be the coach. Jay says, uh, Philip Lawley, new defensive coordinator who's aggressive by default. That sounds like a promising ad. I always find it more successful for an aggressive coach to dial it back when he needs to rather than a play-it-safe coach trying to force aggressiveness. A couple of texts there to 630-630. Frustrated fan texting in. You know, as we know, Kellen, frustrated fan, uh, loyal listener and texter. 
one we love to hear from. Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember frustrated? I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but you might remember. Do you know? Do you remember frustrated fans' claim to fame on this show? He was a guy that. Uh, Predicted the the Esks wouldn't win a game after Labor Day in 2015. 2015, right? And instead, yeah, what, yeah. well, instead, what happened? They won every game. They, won, they, they literally won Cup. every game. We're not exaggerating. They won all eight remaining regular season games, West Final and the Grey Cup. Uh, frustrated fan texting in today saying this. I know you love my predictions, Reed. The Oilers will finish third in the Pacific. Calgary will end up in the second wildcard spot. The Oilers will make it to the third round, and the Flames will get bounced in the first round. The Flames are too small. Frustrated fan, you know I will remember that. That's a, that is a bold prediction. Calgary dropping from, uh, they're a top three team in the league, to barely making the playoffs. My goodness. All right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three eight. You can text six thirty six thirty. There's been a lot going on with the Eskimos in the off season. The big story, though, is still to come. Will Mike Riley be back? Will Morley Scott talk to GM Brock Sunderland? Talked about Riley and free agency. Well, there's lots of discussions going on, and there's you know there's actually uh, some deals in place right now that we're just waiting to get the paperwork done. So there's, um, as you said, more than than meets the eye, but. A bit of a waiting game right now, too, and, and uh, the reality is, and I think everybody knows it is, right now the biggest domino of all for us and, frankly, for the league is Mike Riley. So um, there's a balancing act of having a salary cap with him in it and then having a salary cap with him not in it. So that's the uh, the the approach we're taking right now. So that changes some offers to a lot of people, guys that we have pending is, you know, hey, if, if one person's here, then probably going to be in this range, and if... If it's not the case, then it's going to be in this range. So it's a challenging aspect in that regard. Is there anything new you can tell us on the Riley front? No, nothing new. Uh, continuous talks. Um, I feel very good talks. Several meetings. Um, and, and frankly, the reason I wasn't in Mexico, I had a ticket to go there and changed it because uh, we decided to have yet another meeting with Mike in Seattle with his agent. So um, that was the actual reason I was in, not in Mexico. All right. They're talking. That is good. We'll see. NFL Conference Championship Games on Sunday. Kellen, uh, do you consider between minus two and minus six cold? Not really. Well, that's the forecast for Kansas City on Sunday. Okay. And they're uh, they're saying it's going to be a really cold AFC Championship game. So if anything, that'll just affect the turf. What they got on the field, I would imagine. Well, I, I, if they think it's cold, they're going to find it cold. We don't find that cold. No. Some people might find that cold. That's late October, early November weather here. Bill Belichick, legendary coach of the Patriots. Do you mind playing in severe cold? Love to play in a championship game. Schedule whatever you want. We'll either. Now he's at the point where he can't even understand what he's saying. He's just a shiny, happy person, isn't he? That's let's a just regular play, let's just beam play of this, sunlight. Let's just play this answer again. Love to play in a championship game. Okay, I think that's, I love to play in a championship game. So yeah, he's asked about the weather, that. and he just says, love to play in a championship game. I'm not sure what these two are. Schedule whatever you want. Schedule whatever you want. 
Did he say it's scheduled for everyone? No, schedule whenever you want. Oh, is that what he says? Yeah. I yeah. had trouble with that. Schedule whenever you want. Oh. Way there. And that, that last one, I... I have I, no idea what he said there. Way there. Way there. Way there. I think it's will be there. Way there. Way there. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying. That's okay. I don't know. Uh, this texture says, Reed, can you, uh, Share Bear says, Reed, can you promise to sing a Def Leppard song 15 seconds only if the Oilers get a secured playoff spot? Yes, I can. <laughs> That's kind of a specific <laughs> That's time. a very specific request. Yes, I will sing uh, 15 seconds of a Def Leppard song. Dell in Vegreville says, keep in mind those temperatures are Fahrenheit. I converted them. They're in the 20s in Fahrenheit. So it's between minus 2 and minus 6 Celsius. Minus 2 Fahrenheit would be very cold. Right. All right, uh, we'll have an interesting interview coming up with Dave Lahansky about uh, some new technology in the National Hockey League to get more information to coaches in-game. He'll let you know part of it is with the iPads on the benches. We'll also have Alex Van Hoff on the show. This new new company called POG that's uh, helping with smelly hockey equipment. We're going to find out how this is working. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. This portion of the show presented by Furness Family, your 24-7 Furness Repair and Replacement Specialists. Call 780-FAMILY or check them out online, FurnaceFamily.com. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.